This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Greetings once more, nerds, geeks, and gamers, and welcome to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. It is currently Monday, November 13th, 2017, and I'm hard at work on a bunch of what I consider to be interesting things. I should be getting some actual real American dollars for some voiceover work I did recently. That will officially be my first paid voice work. History will be made. So freaking cool. I think I have to print out the PayPal invoice and frame it somewhere. Like, it's that level. In addition to that, there's also the first annual Portland Podcast Festival that I'm super lucky and stoked to be a part of, happening on December 2nd. Get your tickets right damn now at pdxpodfestival.com. Also, in a future world, I will be collaborating as a recurring guest on the Adventure Club podcast with Giant Matt from Twitter and John Galbo, master and commander of the Adventure Club podcast network. Look forward to those episodes where we will cover all of the random geeky stuff that goes on in the world. As for the specifics of today's show, it's just little old me today, and I'll be diving into a bunch of new and upcoming game news, my streaming plans, and a little TV and movies if I have the stamina. Beyond that, be sure to like and follow the show on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, Podknife, and wherever else you can find it. Look forward to my live streams on Twitch, what? Wednesdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at twitch.tv slash wag podcast how original also be sure to fill my box with your emails using wag podcast pdx at gmail.com uh genji 2 is an ashen game which is based on japanese history so here's this giant enemy crab this is the well-adjusted gamer podcast Alright, kiddly D's, let's dig into the meat and potatoes here. First up, Gamefly. So, obviously a recurring thing on this podcast. I am a... Holy crap. I should be like a board member of Gamefly. I've had them for so long. It's been forever, since the service first became available, I believe. And god, that's pushing like 10 years ago. It's kind of disgusting when I stop and think of how much money that's been at 15 bucks a month for like 10 years oh boy but but that's a lot of games that i didn't have to buy so 15 bucks a month versus 60 bucks a pop for games that could potentially be garbage that i would never want to buy or own it's still a, a high value proposition i would say overall i mean if you're if you're going to commit to something to try to save yourself from going broke playing video games it's a good direction to go so for me for me i just sent gt sport back i finished all the single player content in i don't know like 25 hours or so now i'm waiting on wolfenstein the new colossus because i like i said before i want to check that one out but 
We've also got Skyrim VR finally coming out in a few days. I think four days at this point. It's supposed to land on the 17th. But that is going to be the last the last stand for my PSVR experience. At least this round. I think I'll be back in when we get the PS5 and they double down again with VR and make it more of a kind of a general standard kind of product. Because as it stands... Skyrim will be the second full-scale game that I've been interested in trying in VR. So, in the past, there's been other ones. There was, um... God, what has there been? There's been a, a handful. A handful of, like, fully fully realized games that are beyond just the, the VR experiences. That aren't just, like, $20 to $40 games. They're full-featured, like, I don't know. But still not to the scale. Like, Skyrim is, scale-wise, the biggest game, I think, that's come out for PSVR. There's been other stuff, but not not to this size, where this is the full hundreds of hours of potential gameplay experience. And I did find out that you've got choices when it comes to the control method. You can do, like, the point-to-point warping, or you can have just free control. So, I'm back in. But, again, this is a 8-year-old game or whatever it is at this point, so it's... It's, it's definitely, it's going to be a mixed bag. That's that's what I'm kind of foreseeing. But basically, I'm going to get Wolfenstein, play it for like a day, and then send it back. Because I really want to try Skyrim, and I really want to kind of close the final chapter on my PSVR experience and get that thing on eBay before it's not worth anything anymore. There are bundles of bundles coming down the pipe, but the value proposition of buying one used, I think, was still going to be pretty strong. Because... The new bundles are four and five hundred dollars, or three to four hundred dollars. Hey, I've got a set headset starting at like two hundred, maybe. So, I think that's still got some some driving force behind it. I gotta get on eBay though and do some research, see what things are going for. I really hope to not get lowballed and sell it for less than what it should be and less than what I'm comfortable with. But I I don't know. We shall see. Another game on my list: Need for Speed Payback. Now, Max has been bitching at me because the podcast is like a freaking racing game-centric podcast all of a sudden because that's all I talk about. It was Dirt Rally, it was Dirt 4, it's Gran Turismo, it's Project Cars 2. It's enough, all right? Get over it. This isn't a racing podcast, all right? It's it's a general geeky, nerdy video game podcaster. It's supposed to be, but, you know, whatever. It's my show. God damn it, I'll talk about what I want. Anyway, I am going to try to chill out on the racing games because, like I said, this isn't an exclusive racing game podcast. But with Need for Speed Payback, this game, it, it tickles my fancy in a lot of ways because I'm a, a way back fan of the series. I've played basically every Need for Speed entry that's come out ever. I, I'm trying to think if I even missed any. I don't think I did. I think there were... I, yeah, I didn't even miss Carbon, because I ended up playing that for a tiny little bit. At least a demo of it. What was the other one, though? There's got to be one out there. I can't catch them all, man. I'm no Ash Catchem of Need for Speed. But this new one, Payback, is the Fast and Furious type of game, where they've gone for this over-the-top kind of Hollywood approach on it. But from the reviews so far, it's looking kind of lukewarm. They're saying it's bland and grindy, that 
the acting and stuff is really bad and the cutscenes are stupid and boring and it's it just doesn't live up to anybody's expectations but when i look at metacritic the rating is the same as the 2015 need for speed game that i freaking love like that is since need for speed underground and like the really good hot pursuit games that is the definitive need for speed game for me i love that game it's so just warm and fuzzy it's the perfect arcade game it's you you know what you're getting into and it delivers on everything that it sets out to there's yeah little nagging things about it but they're they're nothing compared to like what i got from the game now if that holds true if this game could possibly be to that kind of surprise caliber or whatever i mean this this is something max and i talk about a lot is reviews and how they can kind of taint your experience or dissuade you from experience a game, experiencing a game that you might actually like so i'm going to stick this one through and once i knock out a couple of the games like like i said wolfenstein skyrim vr i am going to get this game like not buy it but get it back to gamefly again but i i really need to i really need to see if it lives up to the last game which i don't know we'll see it's it looks and sounds really good on a lot of levels like it's a huge open world there's tons of stuff to see and do but it's also frustrating when i see that because it really looks like if gta 5 had good really fun solid driving physics like it it has good solid driving physics but not like really good really exciting fun driving physics especially when it comes to the racing like the the online multiplayer stuff is just broken horseshit most of the time but this stuff uh, god just imagine a need for speed game with gta kind of open world i mean just the fact that you know in this game you're you're locked in your car the whole time it's so frustrating there's a whole city and places to see and do stuff and you just can't Ooh, grinds my gears man but um i really wish somehow some way i need like the the rick and morty portal gun to go to another universe where this developer studio ghost games i think it is still if they could somehow partner with Rockstar, which will never happen because I'm pretty sure they're owned by EA. If you could get those people in the room with Rockstar to make the driving side of the next Grand Theft Auto, holy shit, that could be fan-freaking-tastic. But until then, I guess it's just a stupid little fantasy of mine and nobody else's, because who knows? I'm sure there's somebody out there that agrees with me. Come on. (laughs) Other than that, the next game that i was looking at i need to get horizon zero dawn back um i need to see how much it is to keep it used if they'll still let me do that or get it from gamestop or something because the new dlc finally came out the frozen north the where i assume i haven't watched any gameplay of it but there was a spot up at the north end of the map where i could i figured out a way to like not glitch into it but exploit the terrain to get up onto this ledge that led off to somewhere where you could not go i'm basically 100 positive that's where the dlc leads you so i'm very interested to see what happens out there and it sounds like it's pretty substantial content wise there's lots of new enemies and weapons and crap i believe 
new upgrades and then I've got a work buddy that's actually playing the game right now for the first time and he has what was he doing he was like trying to 100% it I think no I think he just burned through it the first time got all the like highest level gear he could and then he's doing the new game plus and then he's going to do the DLC so he's he's going for a very rich experience with the game so I'm looking forward to seeing what he thinks of it all together in the end and if we both go through the DLC it'd be a nice shared experience but yeah looking forward to that the other thing that is still on my radar is the fractured but whole south park game like uh i still have not played stick of truth and it's been on my list always and forever but i for some reason it just feels like such a big commitment to get into one of those games right now with everything else that's coming up everything that i'm trying to do but hey Maybe it's something to get into down the road and maybe live stream. I don't know. You know, just throwing it out there. <laughs> the other big elephant in the room and our next topic of discussion, Battlefront 2 is finally upon us. Oh boy. This is the last game I'm going to buy this year. <laughs> it's the only one I think that's still on my list of must-haves because... Um, I'm <clears throat> sorry, a racing game again. Project Cars 2 was on my must-have list. Um, Gran Turismo Sport was, but that ended up being a half-assed game, so it's not. But yeah, Battlefront 2 has been a long-standing must-have. It's getting kind of pushed around out there on the internet because people are just bringing up the dumb shit, the bad shit. They're kvitching about the pay-to-win options that exist in the game. So... There are, there's support, I don't know if you call it support, there's kind of an economy in the game where you've got three different, whatchamacallits, where you've got credits that you earn from playing the game that you can use to buy crystals in the game, and it sounds like a goddamn mobile game when I say it, uh, it sounds like Mario Run or something, one of those shitty pay-to-win games, which... I, I get it. I understand the argument just on that kind of narrow band of understanding of it. But you get the credits, which you can use to buy crystals, I believe. Or no, I think you buy the the loot crates that they have. And in the crates, you get star cards. You get potentially weapons or upgrades or characters and all this stuff. Which, if you want to then sell those cards to buy more loot boxes, you've got that option. Then the crystals themselves, you use those to purchase um, like specific upgrades. So the star cards that enhance or alter your abilities per character, per class, whatever. You could buy them for the heroes. You could buy maybe weapons and upgrades and stuff. All of that with the crystals. Also, you can buy stuff with credits. Like it said Darth Vader was like 60,000 credits or something to buy. So you go in, you grind a bunch, and then you can unlock using Darth Vader as a hero, potentially in the, the multiplayer games. But the pay-to-win side, from the beta, everybody that's when everybody like shit the bed and said, this is horrendous bullshit. The, I can't believe you guys did this. Blah, 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 blah. The problem that existed with it is you could literally just pay actual dollars, go into the game, and buy the best items, and then just go you know, 
assumedly go out and just rampage and own everybody. Having played online games for a while now, what I believe and have experienced is that very few people will actually spend oodles and oodles of money that they would need to significantly significantly increase the stuff that's available to them. Because the problem is, typically I would think those type of players don't usually have the crazy skill set to really make use of that fancy kit anyway. So it's like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would have that much of an effect. And I mean, any online, any online game you jump into, it's going to be brimming with players that are more skilled than you are at any skill level you may be. Like if you're a beginner, there's going to be people starting out that have never played the game that could be potentially better than you. It doesn't matter how much money you spend to unlock shit. If you're not good at the game, you're not going to be better at the game. It might make it easier for you to get a few kills here and there, but it's not going to really alter the dynamic. Like, you're not going to be more accurate or have better reflexes. You're not going to have better hand-eye coordination because you spent an extra $100 on the game on stupid crap. Like, that doesn't happen. So I feel like there's going to be, yeah, a a minority community out there of people that bought these weapons, that actually put them to good use, and consistently perform better. Just listen to that. How many people do you think there's going to be out there doing that? I've played enough Battlefield and Battlefront to know that there's just people out there that are better at the game. You're not going to know the difference between those guys and the guys that spent this money. Like, it it just all things equalize out. That's, That's how these games are built. So, in my mind, all this stuff is just mood. It's just pointless. Also, since the beta, since this, like, outcry of all this blabadoo dice the developer has already allegedly worked on methods to like curb a lot of that so already some of the best items and characters cannot be purchased with this um the crystals that you can spend actual dollars for so it's like i said earlier vader he can't be bought with crystals he can only be bought with credits that can only be earned by playing the game well there you go balance Duh, it's like a simple solution to a problem that really doesn't, I don't know, exist. It's like, I, if I was really gung-ho about it, and if I knew I could just, like these guys do, just buy a shortcut, basically. It's like, oh, if I could pay $2 to have Vader now versus grinding for 20 to 40 hours, it's a pretty reasonable thing. And it's not outside of the the reasonable realm of anybody else about the game, but it it does. It opens up a lot of greasy, ugly doors. But anyway, it's still, like I said, it, it, I don't know. I don't care. I'm still going to have fun playing the game. I don't care that I'm going to get smoked out by some 13 year old whose parents gave him a gift card and he bought a bunch of garbage. Like that doesn't matter. It's one person. It's going to be such a, a tiny number. Anyway, let the shortcutters pay because one of the other flip side benefits of it is because they're using this model, they potentially won't be selling straight up DLC like maps and new content. There's the potential that we could get more free content for the game because everybody's spending money on unlocking crap. Whereas the last game, all the DLC was like 20 bucks a pop and you got like one map. That was crazy. I didn't buy any of that shit. 
the only ones that I played were the free ones. There was like a free Hoth expansion, I think, and maybe another one, but that was it. And I mean, that's it's a whole other scenario. Battlefront 1 was unfortunately a sad story, pretty, pretty harrowing overall, but they've obviously learned a lot from it. They're still learning what and kind of changing the trajectory of the game every day, it seems. The other thing that I found out about recently, <clears throat> since I flip-flopped back to PC now, I was going to do PS4 because I felt like I had more friends on that side. Well, now that I have a gaming PC, I've found out that, no, there's way more people that actively play games that I want to play on the PC side. So that's where I'm going. I've given up on the PS4 in that regard. Like, I don't think I'll really stick to any console game for multiplayer at this point. I'm, I'm thinking I just, the support is just obviously there. I mean, getting on something like Discord, getting on Twitch, doing all these things on the PC while playing the game, I, it's just, it is. It's, it's such an easy solution. It's an easy decision in the end. And like I said, I've got more friends with PCs, so that's where I'm going. What I found out, though, is when you pre-order the game, which I did today, like th three days before the actual release, you get access to a free 10-hour trial of the game. Full multiplayer mode and the first like three or four missions of the single-player mode. Holy crap, what am I doing recording a podcast? I should be playing the damn game, but... I will be there as soon as this is done. Like, I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to finish producing this. This might come out later in the week just because <laughs> I need to get in and see what the hell is going on with Battlefront because I'm so damn excited to play it. One of the other things, since I have so many people out there that I want to play the game with and are saying they're going to get in and get it with me, there's no clan support, I guess, with the Battlefront games. Battlefield, I believe, did, but Battlefront, there's nothing. The only thing you can really do is change your, your gamer tag in Origin or PSN or wherever to have your little clan title in front. But I'm still batting that around because I do want to set up some kind of group to... Holy fudge. Power just went out. That was creepy. I don't even know if I'm still recording. Yeah, still is. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> that's that's such a creepy feeling. Like everything just went black, but since I'm recording on my laptop, everything stayed on on this side. But uh, that was that was weird. Freaky man. Anywho, where was I? Um, getting people together. There's like I said, no clan support, so I don't know what kind of ability we'll have to stay linked up and everything once we get in the game but i'll do something probably on facebook and set up events um to get people together figure out days that we'll all get online and that kind of stuff like i'm really excited looking forward to that it's something that i haven't really been able to do outside of oh god again racing games that gran turismo league that i got into a while back and that was an outside organization run by a bunch of dickweeds so in the end, it ended up being not a really great, fun experience. But in this scenario, hopefully, I'll take the reins, you know, starting out and just see where everybody wants to land with it and we'll get something going. And if you're out there and you'd want to be a part of it, hit me up on Facebook. Ship, shoot me an email. Ship me an email. Ha, do that too. But get in touch. Reach out. Let's get together. Why the hell not? Other than that... Wow. Yeah. Other than that, the holiday launch rush is kind of over for me. 
with only buying Battlefront, looking at everything else that's out and pending, there's really nothing of note for me until next year now. Like, I'm, I'm looking at Spider-Man is coming out, like, middle of next year, allegedly. The Final Fantasy VII remake is just gone. That's vaporware now, all of a sudden. But Far Cry 5, that is the one, which I think is coming out in February, if I remember correctly. They've recently announced that it's going to be 100% co-opable, so all the single-player missions will be available to play with a friend. So I've got a couple of people that have already committed to doing that as well. So once we get out of the, the Battlefront haze through the holidays, Far Cry 5, man, going to be out there. And again, anybody that wants to hook up, let's do this. Moving on from games that I've been playing, want to play, plan to play, let's talk about some newses. So one of the recent ones that was pretty, I don't know, gobsmacking, depressing, etc. was the closing of Visceral Games, the, the studio that was was working on the Star Wars kind of third-person adventure game. Um, pretty sure they did... I want to say they did Mass Effect Andromeda too. So that's, that's part of the story as well, um, if that was them. But EA shut the studio down, and initially everybody was losing their minds saying that this is complete bullshit because they're just shutting it down in the belief that single-player games don't work in today's market. They don't sell enough. They don't have, like, the repeat kind of consistent long-term playability. People buy them. If they're going to buy them, they play them, and they put them on the shelf, and that's it, which is true. The majority of the single-player games that I've played, I've either played through Gamefly or I've bought because I'm committed to the license, like the last Uncharted game. I still haven't finished it, but I bought it because I want them to keep making those games. I want them to, I want Naughty Dog to be successful and keep making games like they do. So with um, Visceral, if they didn't have those killer titles, that's a problem. But that's not the reason they got shut down exclusively. I'm sure it plays into it. It's a big part. But the bigger, broader story of it is just straight up common sense, good business practice. So it comes to be that the current version of the game that they displayed to EA was not up to snuff, basically. Is like the the word on the street, the 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 speaking in back alleys, the the undercurrent of news coming from people that were probably laid off and pissed off. They're going out there telling people, you know, anonymously, this is what's actually going on. So if that's the case, if they can't, if they didn't get the EA execs real hot and bothered that this was going to be like the next big thing, that makes sense. I mean, that's, it sucks. It, you would hope that they would be able to like, okay, Here's a, a period, You're, you've got six months, turn this around, make these fixes, get it on this track, and we'll continue to move forward. Well, the reason that probably didn't happen is because Visceral as a studio, I think what I read was it's the most expensive studio to maintain and run that EA has in their portfolio. So as in terms of single studios, Visceral Games was located in Silicon Valley down around San Francisco. 
That is the single most expensive place to live in California, except for some places down in L.A. in that area. It's ridiculously expensive for anybody to live there, so the salaries had to be exceptionally high. And I'm sure renting the buildings and leasing everything out there was exceptionally expensive as well. Well, guess what? If you're a super expensive studio with a bunch of people making four figures... Four figures, six figures, yeah, six figures plus. <laughs> it makes sense that if you're not selling blockbuster game after blockbuster game, the writing's on the wall, guys. There was also a lot of, like, that that undercurrent talk about just the studio in general being miserable because they're the same group that did Battlefield Hardline. Battlefield Hardline wasn't very well respected, or well received, I should say. People played it, people were into it. I mean, there, it definitely had an audience, but the team that was assigned to do it, like just from the outset, it sounded like nobody was really excited to have to be working on it. They wanted to do other bigger, broader things like this Star Wars game, for example. So when they got started with the, the Star Wars license, they brought in the head writer from Naughty Dog. She had retired from there. She wanted to do bigger, better stuff, I guess. And she ended up with Visceral writing the Star Wars game. So yeah, that's, I probably would have left for that too. But in this process, they had to split their, their staff. Some had to go back to work on the hardline DLC and extended maintenance, whatever. The other half got to work on the Star Wars game. That literally is just a canyon chasm that opened up in between everybody that's part of the team you've got basically the the what do you call them the special kids the 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 chosen ones that get to go and work on the star wars game everybody else the tailings the slag have to go back and work on the crappy game that nobody likes that nobody's playing that nobody wants to be making that would be enough for me too. Like, <laughs> so with something like that going on, the morale was also super low. It's just all of these things stack up to paint a pretty straightforward picture. It's sad. It sucks. This is part of the game development life cycle. It is a very, I wouldn't call it vicious, but it, it, there's no love lost. Like when things aren't working out, they don't work out and people go away. It just, it's the nature of any business, really. It just, you, I don't know. In the game industry, it seems like it's extra apparent. But yeah, painful nonetheless. But at least it happened for, if not the right reasons, sensible reasons. Good business practice reasons, like I started out with. Something a little bit more exciting and uplifting after that little dip. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Injustice 2? So, NetherRealm, is, is that who's still doing those games? Possibly. Whoever the hell. The, the guys behind Injustice 2 released a trailer recently that showed off a couple new characters. The Adam guy that's not Ant-Man because it's DC. And then some other chick witch person reminded me of, like, what's-her-face? Uh, the little emo witch girl on Teen Titans, Raven. Yeah. Remind me of her, but I don't think it is because she had like green mist mystic powers and whatever. 
you got those two. And then out of the shadows, here comes a sigh that stabs into the ground. And here's a guy in a trench coat walking towards him. And holy crap, it's Raphael. Holy crap, it's it's all of the Ninja Turtles. But it's weird because they're a four-in-one character. So I'm interested to see how that actually works out. Like, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe there's going to be either a button to switch in between them. Each one's going to have very, you know, unique attacks. Or do, like, certain attack buttons, like, switch them out? Do certain moves bring them out? Like, it's going to be very interesting to see. But what an awesome addition. What a great idea. And, hey, does this mean we might see another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tournament fighters someday? (gasps) That would be awesome. I'm just thinking of it now. Like... Marvel versus Capcom basically level, but with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle character characters. There's such a huge catalog. I mean, you could pick from all the different generations. You could, oh, Jesus. You'd have the original cartoon ones. You could have the comic book ones, just like they had that crossover on one of the animated series. You could do the same thing. That would be incredible. They, oh, there's so much to pull from. I'm going to stop talking about it. Too excited. I'm going to start stuttering. From there, PUBG. You know, that little indie title no big deal a few people play it i know it's it's kind of popular in some small circles but player unknowns battlegrounds they've got a new desert map finally coming i don't know when or how or what the hell but i saw that and that's good that's definitely good news for that game because that's one of the biggest hanging points is the stagnation now that's set in with the one map that they have and the lack of game modes too but Outside of all that, the developer has already started working on another game. I, this is one of those things about game development. It happens. I mean, every game studio gets to a certain point with a game where they start peeling off team members to start working on the next thing. They've got to keep the cycle running and going. So with PUBG, whatever the hell their plan is, they've obviously hit a long time ago from the look of it a stage where they started working on the next big thing the next big thing is i didn't write down the name but it's a like a steampunk mmo which i don't know like it's it's weird it's it's a drastic thing because i don't remember what else the developer has done in the past but to go from PUBG to this is pretty outrageous it Basically, it's got airships and dragons, and it looks like James Cameron's Avatar movie and Final Fantasy XII kind of had like a bastard child. And <laughs> I mean, it looks exciting. Like the the graphics are pretty amazing. The stuff in the trailer was choppy as all hell. I don't know if that's just the trailer or if it's going to be another under optimized game like PUBG, but. There's tons of varied gameplay. Like I saw there's house building. You've got your straight up MMO raids and kind of combat with all kinds of different weapons. There's guns and swords and all kinds of whatnot. But there's also platforming in the the dungeons or out in the world. There's air battles because you've got your bigger airships. You've got little personal like flight thingies. They kind of look like barrels with wings, but guns all over them and stuff. But it's got like air battles dogfights you've got like boss battles on these little aircrafts and oh all kinds of stuff and then even like big what look like dogfights and 
and big like open battle arenas with tons of people fighting each other in their airships. There's like a coliseum where they've got mounted turrets that people are like shooting stuff. Just crazy stuff. The art style is pretty serious looking, but they have a sense of humor in there too. There's some goofy stuff here and there. So it's not so huffy puffy, but they're going to have a beta in the first half of 2018. So it's definitely worth looking into if you're a fan of MMOs and especially that, like, like I said, Final Fantasy 12 style where it's a little bit more straight up and not cartoony. So yeah, worth checking out. Another big one um, for people other than me, because I never really got heavy into Pokemon Go. I did play it for a while. I thought it was fun. thought it was kind of... It's, it's outside of my wheelhouse because, I don't know, just going out and going to places and finding the, the Pokestops. It was fun for a minute, but it's... I don't know. It wasn't rewarding enough, I guess. Well... That developer, Niantic, is going to make a Harry Potter game that uses the same kind of tools and environment. So they've done this before. I think this will be like the fourth game that they've put together using the same system of landmarks and GPS coordinates that turn into unlocking points. And um, like in the Pokemon game, they're like gyms where you go to battle and take control of the gym. Well, they're going to use all of this tool set, game system, whatever, in the Harry Potter universe. So you'll be able to go out, duel with other wizards, discover treasure and equipment, I guess. And it's all going to be in the same kind of altered, alternate, augmented, that's it, augmented reality setup. So kind of interested to see what they do with that. And I mean, that's an awesome license to do it with. That's another one that has massive global appeal. There's a billion people out there that like Harry Potter and would try to pick this up and do something with it. So good on them. But this also brought out some other news that Warner Brothers is going to start working on some free stand, not free, but standalone Harry Potter games based on existing characters and stuff. So there's going to be new stories, stories from different parts of their lives, I guess, according to Pottermore. This is exciting because I would love to see what they could do with the license at this point. I mean, there hasn't been a Harry Potter game outside of the Lego games, I, I think, for years since the movies were coming out still. Because the movies had a, a game tied to them for every single release. Like, I played one of them, I think, on, like, PS2. Because even that, I think they went from PS2 to 3. They crossed generations because the movies were coming out for so many years. But, um, yeah, interested to see what they could do with that as well. The other big news um, for all the Xbox fanboys out there, the X-Bone X is out. Not Scorpio. Don't call it Scorpio anymore. It is the Xbox One X. Does it live up to the hype? Is it better than the PS4 Pro? It's still up in the air. News items on it. It's nearly sold out, according to GameStop. They almost sold every unit that they got, so it's popular in some regard. It's allegedly much closer to PC-level performance than any of the uh, current consoles are, even more than the PS4 Pro, which, I mean, obviously. It's got higher specs in almost every aspect than the PS4 Pro. It's got more clocks, more RAM, more GPU muscle, but it still, in my dumbass opinion, doesn't really matter. 
the the consoles they've got many other factors that balance the scales so whatever performance stuff the xbox has like does it really help it stand above the ps4 pro like in any significant way who knows the like the the broad licensed games the ones that are cross console they they can't really make any one console look better than the other because they don't want to piss the other one off so a game like battlefront that comes out on all the consoles you're not going to see a better overall game on one or the other they've got to keep them pretty close so they don't alienate a market and don't piss off somebody like sony or microsoft they can make their life pretty miserable and make things really hard easily so that leaves basically the first party games so any halo game any forza game any gears of war game that comes out on the xbox should look ball breakingly beautiful but that's it and even then, how are they going to push that? Are they going to get the balls and go for FPS over pretty picture chop jobs? That remains to be seen. Some people are doing it, some aren't. But then you've also got the issue of, of the whole upgrade cycle of quality, in air quotes, italics, quality 4K TVs with HDR if you don't have one, what are you really going to see from it? And that, that is the goddamn thing that I don't see or hear anything about. Just like when I built my, my PC, I spent a budget-ish amount of money on it with the anticipation of playing 1080p resolution at or around 60 frames. That was my goal. Well, now you've got this big fat-ass console that costs $500. Can't Ugh, God, lost my voice. Can it play a 1080p screen at 60 frames? Yes or no? Like, that's, that's the biggest thing. I could give a shit about 4K support. Like I said, the, the install base to me doesn't seem big enough right now, especially with consoles. PCs, yeah, of course. Like, the, the PC Master Race, of, of course they've got four 4K monitors wrapped around their head at all times. That's different. Those people don't play Xbox for the most part. Like, they're not going to care. And even then, if they did, they would laugh their ass off at how pathetic it is compared to the PC version of any of those games. So just, ugh, that's weird, stupid, in-between market that's, ugh, just dumb. But anyway, like I said, it would be nice to see some developers come out and say, look it, we can run the game, it looks great in 4K, it, you've got HDR, it's rad, or you can play it in 1080p without HDR and it'll run at 60 frames all day long. Now you've got a market. Like, now you've got something that will appeal to people that, oh, I've got the Xbox, but if I wanted, or I'm looking at the Xbox or the Xbox One X, Xbox One X, if I'm an educated consumer, I'm going to see that the One X really only benefits me if I have a $2,000 4K TV. If I don't have that, I have no reason to get the Xbox One X. Now, if it made my games better on what existing technology I had, hello? Anyway, that's just me. I'm, I'm a dickweed. Don't listen to me. Whatever. Next up on my list of howdy-do's, streaming. Something that I have been talking about and plotting and planning and had kind of in the works forever I want to start streaming a lot. 
I wanted it to be a big component of this podcast because I know it's a big thing out there. Everybody do it. Everybody does it. Lots of people watch it. It was never really a thing for me, but I get it. And I would love to be entertaining and have people watch my streams, just be there present to share the experience of whatever I'm playing. So I started farting around with OBS on the PC. That's the open broadcasting software. I also have a three month free license for XSplit, which I may or may not try out. I need to need to keep going back and compare and contrasting because the XSplit, it's got better out of the box kind of setups for people that want to be professional broadcasters where OBS is easier to use, but you have to find it's, it's freeware, shareware or whatever. So, or open source. So God knows where the tools are going to come from. If they're not in there, you, you're going to have to go through forums and find people that are developing stuff. It could be shady. It's just a, an uphill battle where XSplit is everything just works. And if they have it, there it is. So you've got the flexibility versus the built-in. And I don't know, I, I, I'm not going too crazy at this point. With OBS, I've been able to put together some overlay, overlays, some splash screens. I feel like it's got enough for starting out that I can go with this for a while until I get some kind of following and I need more powerful tools or whatever. And even then I could probably still use OBS, but we'll see. With that said, obviously I've got some homework to do. I mean, with the, the software hardware side alone, that's a bunch, but I also need to get into the actual environment some more. I need to watch more streamers. Like I've got a couple of the big ones on my list to check out. People like Dr. Disrespect, of course. But also just like some of the, the more low-key, medium-level ones. Also, the locals. There are... There's at least one group in the Portland area, Twitch PDX, that are active. And they have like live events where they go out and get people together, do stuff and things. So I'm going to kind of tune in on some of their streams and see what they're all about see if they're worth networking with. I mean, if they're all cool and fun and want to do stuff, like, why not? I would love to to join up hitch wagons and, you know, it's that thing. The rising tide raises all ships, right? So let's get it on. If you're cool, let's do it. Um, thinking of myself and what I want to do with my channel, I'm not thinking of doing any kind of like characterizations. I just want to be me. I'm not going to I'm not going to be the next Dr. Disrespect. I'm just going to do my thing. I will definitely have my sense of humor, personality, voices that I could come up with. I'm going to do some impressions possibly, but you know, just regular stupid stuff. Check it out. I'll be streaming. That's the big thing. It's, this is the podcast where I announce all this stuff that my streaming currently, I want to commit to Wednesday evenings, afternoons, whatever you want to call it, from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to start there, see what happens, see if anybody comes around. It seems like a decent time to catch West Coast and East Coast American peoples, so hopefully we get some traction and, you know, make some friends out there, man. Come and stop by watch me play games, bro. Beyond that, I'm looking at... I still need to get a capture card. With OBS, you can stream from the PC, which is great, but it's a hog on performance, or was. Because it was weird. The first time I fired it up, I was running the Rise of the Tomb Raider, 
and it was showing like 30 to 40 frames with OBS running. I don't know what was going on because the next time I fired it up and ran it on OBS, I was hitting 60 like the whole time, like basically the majority. So I don't know where that hit was coming from, what changed, but it's working better than it was. So I'm very happy. The thing is to keep performance at like a maximum and to keep everything clicking along smooth, it will be very valuable to have a capture card. So the biggest dilemma I have isn't getting one, but it's do I get an onboard one or do I get an outboard USB one? Talking to Max, it's just a, a speed thing and it depends on if you get USB 3.0 and your ports actually have the bandwidth and the boards and support physically for what you want to do for it. So research will be done there. I think that's something to do short term versus long term because I also want to start streaming from my PS4 and I need to dick around with that too because I want to see, I hate using headsets. It's so, I don't know, it's amateurish. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I've got studio grade equipment. I need to use that for my streaming. Like I want to use my big boy microphone. I don't want to use a little wireless headset or wired headset. So looking at that, I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to inject um, audio from an outside source into the PlayStation. I want to see if I could just use my microphone and interface plugged into the, the DualShock because it's got that microphone jack on the bottom and see if that actually works. But that's, like I said, testing and homework, man. Doing it! Um, with the the decision between USB and onboard, obviously the onboard is going to be much faster, more consistent connection, but I won't be able to take it anywhere. So I won't be able to pull it out and use it remotely like I would want to because I want to do live streaming, streaming from like actual public places potentially. So there's, there's stuff I want to do down the road and also having like two separate computers. I've got my tower that can commit fully to running the games and then my laptop that I could try to record with if everything's fast enough and it works. So there's, yeah, there's stuff, man. Um, there's also a funny competition thing. Hopefully Dylan's out there. Hopefully he's listening to the podcast because I told him about it after he was telling everybody that he's going to build a PC of his own and start streaming. So, you know, a little friendly competition never hurts. I, I'm very excited to see what he does with it and told him to check out the work that Max and I have done previously with the PC build that I did, the couple of episodes we spent talking about it. Um, hopefully he digs in on that and he's definitely got different priorities because mine was like very budget oriented. My budget was like, I was shooting for $500, ended up at like 580, I think it was. He's going for two grand. So <laughs> he's got a lot more room to, to get higher end um, equipment where I had to skimp. So still talking to him about like the basic fundamentals of it, we're kind of even in terms of the processor and like hard drive strategy, but he's also going to be able to go big on a video card where I wasn't like I, I went with the, the cheapest one with any kind of performance that I could, which is serviceable to an extent, but until prices come down on the big fat boys, I'm out. Like I'm, I cannot spend four to $500 just on a video card. And I will not <laughs> like, 
unless somebody wants to send me one I or, you know, make donations, I'll set up a Patreon. <laughs> that's that's what I need. I need to set up a, a GoFundMe to buy me all this crap for my podcast, right? So until something like that happens, I'm kind of SOL. But whatever. Like I said, I want to see just out of the friendly competition of it and the potential networking and stuff. And who knows? Maybe the two of us will find some kind of common ground and get something going. You never know. But interested to see, like I said. Um, as for games that I should play, I'm already making a list for some of the games that I want to stream, like some of the classics, some of the stuff that influenced me over the years um, from everything from NES, Sega, even held burns through some Atari games, you know, but then even arcade games into the PS one, two, three, everything. Um, GameCube, even if I can, what the hell? Get it all out there, man. But, um, I want to do the current stuff too. So it's one of the ones that I'm going to do starting out just because I know it works. It was my, my test bed is to finish rise of the tomb Raider on PC. So I want to get through that. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I streamed it the other day. There's a test stream out there on Twitch that you can watch. It should be up there for a couple more days. Um, stuff like that. I want to get the PS4 games dialed in, which, like I said, I, I don't know if I need a capture card to do what I want with that. But um, also, yeah, the classic games from all the generations. I'm looking forward to like a, doing a Symphony of the Night playthrough. Oh, hell yeah. I love that game. It's... it's Ugh, excuse me, piggy pig boy. It's one of my all-time favorite games. It's I don't have specific favorites. I, I never like to to speak in those those kind of terms, but I have multiple favorites. I have a top ten that are all tied for number one. Symphony of the Night, one of those. Then there's I mean tons of stuff on Super Nintendo and Genesis that I have to go back through. Like I was thinking the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> You know, doing all the Teenage Mutant <laughs> again, all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. That's it. The like one and two on, or even three. There was the Manhattan Project too on the NES. The fighting games, um, the tournament fighters, and then yeah, the the scrolling beat 'em ups, the the arcade game, the Turtles in Time. There's the Manhattan Project, and then I think there was another one too. I can't remember, but I mean, that'd be fun too, just to compare the, the console versions to the arcade versions and the, the versions between the different consoles. Like the fact that Turtles in Time and the Hyperstone Heist are very similar games, but drastically different at the same time. So stuff like that. Also, I'm like I said, open to suggestions, email me, tell me something that you would want to see or something that works well for streaming and my goals. But again, Shooting for Wednesdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific. Check it out. Twitch.tv slash wagpodcast. The last little bit, I wanted to run through some TV and movies I've been ingesting lately. First off, I can't remember if I talked about Stranger Things 2. It was a very well... What's the word? I don't know. It was a great follow-up to the first season. They, they did everything right. They checked all the boxes... I, I, God, it feels familiar talking about it because there were some goofy scenes, but overall, it was really solid. Um, we started watching, finally, The Defenders. We are up to the last episode of that before I started falling asleep last night. Uh, 
that's been really good. The first couple episodes were rough, but it, it definitely turns around. And it's it's pretty exciting um, leading up to its conclusion. But then I also finally saw a little ad blurb. Punisher! Punisher hits Netflix on the 17th. So a big day, man. Game's coming out. The Punisher's coming out. Like the 17th, man. Mark your calendars. Ton of shit coming out. But yeah, the new standalone Punisher series will be on Netflix, and all the episodes of that will be available. Gonna have to watch it. Um, it's the first thing that I've liked that actor in, because he was Shane on The Walking Dead, and I hated him. Not because the character was hateable, but because his acting was hateable. I really was not a fan. Um, I was glad when he finally did, uh, spoiler alert, from four seasons ago, finally kicked the bucket. Um, but yeah... This hell leading into that the walking dead we were watching that too um which god that show is trash it is just a another dumpster fire <laughs> just just like twitter's been for a while now it's just just not fun and they try pretty hard because this this season they're like pulling out all the stops this is just all out war there's machines gun machine guns blazing everywhere people killing everybody and I just don't care like <laughs> i've seen it sucks because you can find better action in so many other shows and movies that it doesn't do anything here it's it's not good it it looks like like i don't know the best after effects like machine gun fights that you've ever seen and that's bad that's sad that it's very unconvincing very poorly written or i i guess it's like the screenplay of it, because it's not the writing. The writing's fine. It, there's these stupid blowhardy monologues that keep popping up that are ridiculous, just like self-serving jerk-off sessions for the actors, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's weak. It's it's hard to stay a fan, because there's so much I wish they would do. I just wish Rick and Daryl, one of them or both of them, could just get a spin-off and go do their own thing and just go from town to town looking for something, some broad goal versus just being stuck in these stupid plot lines and stupid things that just drag out forever and just nothing happens. Like so many little things happen, but the big swings take so damn long. Seasons go by without anything major happening. It's so frustrating and stupid. Moving on from that, Thor. <laughs> A much better movie. Uh, I just you know, comparing apples and oranges, but in terms of movies, it seems that Thor Ragnarok is definitely the box checker for your summer, which I was going to say your summer blockbuster action fun movie, popcorn flick, and it's, we're at the tail end of fall into winter here, so it's, it is, it's something that I look forward to, and then I, I, I'm trying to convince my wife, I think we're going to go this weekend, finally because for whatever reason she's just not excited about it so getting her sold on it we'll get some beer and food to help ease the decision however you want to put that but gotta watch it damn it and i haven't seen any spoilers or heard anything about it so it's still gonna be like a nice fresh surprise for me which is good but i want to see also how it ties into the rest of the universe now since we're getting really close to the um Infinity War with all 47 characters in it. It's going to be insane. After that, though, we've also got the 10,000 pound Wampa. Well, Wampa. God, 
my speech impediments, man. I swear to God. I'm not going to edit any of that crap out either. You're getting the full experience tonight. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the thousand pound wampa in the room. Um, Star Wars. That You know, another little indie film that you may or may not have heard about. The, the next episode comes out in the what, middle of December. Just a few weeks away. Oh, God, it's going to be amazing. Wait, whatever. It's, it's going to be fun. It'll be good. I'm a fan of just generally good movies. I don't need to be blown away, but The Force Awakens got me. It, it tickled my cockles. The Rogue One was a great addition. We'll see where Han Solo lands. That solo... <laughs> that solo adventure, huh? But I don't know. I I don't want to get on the hype train full on, but I, I'm excited for it. I, I want to see what they do. I know there's going to be some twisty turnies in it, so I'm looking forward to it. The other thing that that kind of leads into as well is the director, which this is this is a good bad sign. The director has been like earmarked for more movies and TV shows and stuff. So I, I, they've got really high hopes for it. So if it is well-received, look forward to getting a lot more of similar content, quality-wise, writing-wise, etc. Because this guy is in it for the long run. And with that, that's kind of all I've got for you this week. Um, good too, because I'm kind of out of gas. Like I said, this comes down to the stamina at this point. But um, I do want to say thank you for being a friend and tuning into the show. Keep your eyes peeled for new links and announcements. Make sure you get tickets for the podcast festival if you're around town. If you are an actual friend of mine that I know in real life and you don't buy a ticket to go to the show, I don't know where we stand. That's, that's, I don't know. That's unforgivable. It's approaching that. That's bad. Bad form. Shame on you. Also, be sure to tune into my Twitch streams at twitch.tv slash wagpodcast. Again, super original. Totally on brand. I'm, I think I'm getting good at that. But that'll be Wednesday afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I think that's it. You know, Facebook, Twitter, at wagpodcast, uh, wagpodcastpdx at gmail.com. This has been the Will Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Good night and sweet dreams. Yeah.